Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Serial Killers Cafe. I'm your host, Stephanie, here with my co-host, Ariel. Hello, everyone. And happy Wednesday. So I have to say before we get started, like right before we started recording, I was like telling Stephanie how I'm like just like not in the mood to record. Like I'm just cranky. I have a cranky baby and he's teething, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, the second that song comes on, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got this. Let's do it. (laughs) I like jam out to it every time. It really does put us in a feel good. Now I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Also, happy uh well happy wednesday to everyone yeah and then also thinking of everyone because this episode airs right around the one year mark of us all being quarantined so just know that we are sending you love and strength because we are right there with you we literally like record using zoom and a phone and a computer and like seven devices because we can't be together um so hoping that everyone else is doing okay considering because I think can you believe it's been a year I think a lot of like like I've realized I haven't been very productive this week and I'm like I'm just like dragging but I feel like I'm dragging because it's like we're coming up on a year of like me being home with my kids and doing school and working and and like all this stuff so it's definitely it feels very overwhelming I tell you I give it all the parents that are having to work full time from home and play teacher and do the kid thing, especially for parents like you or one of your kids is not in school yet. So it's like you're working full time. You have two kids in school and you have one who you have to entertain all day long. Like I work part time and I have one kid and I'm overwhelmed. So like, I can't even imagine what is like, I tell Stephanie all the time, like her life is exhausting. I just talked to her on the phone and we hang up and I'm like, all right, I need a nap. That was a little much. <laughs> like she just is. Literally, literally I think you have said that to me since you've known me. Like I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure my forever. life was exhausting when I was five. <laughs> and it's right, it just accurate, has never, yes. we've never slowed down since. <laughs> so. Right. And like uh, my life has just not been like that at all. Yeah. Um, so I give, this is why we balance each other out so well, guys, because I'm, like, the most, and Ariel's, like, the least, and then yes. perfectly combined to, like, be right. this beautiful <laughs> the entity. perfect storm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway, uh, thinking of everyone. Are doing this week, Steph? During this time. So, this week, we are doing Michael Wayne McGray. I almost said McGarry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's been a long day. Please, uh, please, we're sorry. Okay, so Michael Wayne McGray. And before we get started, we'll chat about what we're drinking. So I found an espresso flavor I love, and I'm super excited about it. It's called Caramel Cookie. And so that's basically what I've consistently been drinking is just caramel cookie Nespresso. coffee. Nespresso. So we're going to have to get them to sponsor us because Stephanie is obsessed with them. I need them. like 700 more caramel cookie pods because I go through two a day usually. <laughs> It's bad. I'm like, I hate coffee. I'm going to drink tea. And now I drink two cups of coffee a day. Like I was an just going to so. say that. So meanwhile, I'm over here drinking tea because she was like always on me about coffee. I mean, I still have my six cups of coffee a day. <laughs> my six uh, cups. Here's the thing. I tell myself it's one cup because it's one huge like travel cup. You do use a big mug. Right, like it just fits six cups of coffee. Like, come on, what they measure as one cup of coffee? That come on, no one drinks that. Give me a break. Mine's a one oh. normal cup of coffee, but also it's a it's single pod, so I can't make more unless yeah, I you don't have a choice. Yeah, no. So I still drink my six cups of coffee, but 
I also have joined Stephanie's obsession with is David's tea. So good. I know. It took me a while. Not for any other reason than I just drink coffee all the time. Um, but I'm drinking raspberry leaf bliss. Yeah. Uh, and so really, <laughs> I just chose David's tea because I know Stephanie's like obsessed with it. Um, I don't, I'll just drink any tea. But this one specifically, most of you know that I had a baby late last year. Um, so this one is supposed to be beneficial for postpartum and assist with milk production and balancing hormones. So that's a lot bam. of wins in a tea. Right? I love it. Um, I saw that. I was like, sold. Let's do this. And I love, I'm a sweet, like, I like, sweet tea it needs to have like a sweet flavor like raspberry or the caribbean crush has like mixed berry stuff like that's where like i'm like that with my liquor i'm like i need something sweet like i just gross no thanks but yeah anyways all right let's get going on uh michael wayne mcgray want me to start yeah Take it away. All right. So these murders uh, took place from between 1984 to 1998 in both the United States and Canada. It's like so, so Michael Wayne McRae was born on July 11th, 1965 in Canada. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of info on where specifically in Canada he was born. However, there are several reports that confirm he had a very tough childhood. Um, it was really full of physical, mental, sexual abuse. His father, of course, was a raging alcoholic because, like, in order to be a serial killer, your father has to be a raging alcoholic, apparently. I don't know. Um, and he was actually, are, there are many reports that he used to beat McRae regularly. So, ultimately, McRae ends up spending a lot of his childhood in, like, group homes and reform schools. Um, so, we've talked about this a few times in like the 50s and 60s reform schools were very popular not they weren't before then but they're they were a lot more popular than they are like now for example um and it seems like it was a little easier to get your kid into a reform school or a group home then like now there has to be very specific reasons for a kid to be in a group home and to be like taken away from their parents where In the 50s and 60s, a parent could just be like, hey, my kid's misbehaving. I don't want to deal with him. And they'd be like, cool, send him to military school or something like that, you know? Um, So the downfall is that the sexual abuse that he suffered at home followed him to these schools. And he suffered sexual abuse um, by some of the students and teachers. Oh, I know. Doesn't that make you wonder, like, how does this follow this poor kid around? Because at this point, he's a poor kid. Like, I can still feel bad for him. Like, he escapes from his dad and then ends up in a place that's just as worse. Like, that's just heartbreaking to me. Yeah. And then sometimes you're like, see, I probably become a serial killer, too. Uh, Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, not that it's okay, but I can kind of get it. Um, So at this point, the gray, he's like, you know, early young teens uh he's quoted a couple different times at that age expressing his interest and enjoyment in torturing and killing animals which so he wasn't just like, like the huge opener of any sort of colors pretty much of course yeah we torture. all know that <laughs> and it wasn't just like oh yeah you know that's kind of interesting i wonder what they look like inside no no no, no. like he was very open about the fact that he enjoyed torturing and killing these animals So that just blows my mind. But um, so all in all, McGray killed anywhere between seven and 18 people, possibly more. 
So we all know we've been doing this long enough. These serial killers, they're always like between four and 70,000 people I've killed approximately. So like, I don't think it's them that says it. I think it's that the police give a number. So they give a number of confirmed, but then a number of like unsolved cases that they think right. could be linked to this serial killer. But it just also kind of makes you like super sad for these people that get murdered because a lot of them, like you don't know who murdered them. You don't know if it really no. was a serial killer. Like a lot of these just go unsolved and I feel bad for those people and their families. And their never family. closure. And this guy's like, like I feel like if I was a serial killer and I got caught and they charged me with like three people and I was like gonna be on death row or whatever, I'd be like, okay, well, by the way, I also did these twenty five people because y'all were slow to catch me or whatever, and right. this is where they are. Because like, what are they gonna do? Keep you where you are because you can't go anywhere anyway. Like, you're I, yeah, I do wonder why. I don't know if it's like a control thing or what, but a lot of these killers they just they don't want to tell like where their victims are. Like, do they just get off on knowing that there's dead people out there that no one knows how they die? Like, I don't know. Or maybe they want to use it for leverage. I feel like sometimes they're like, Oh, well I'll tell you where I buried Sally, but I want immunity. And you're like, okay, no, I guess we're not going to find out where Sally is because that's not not happening. (laughs) But it is like, it's wild to me. I also feel like there's also the polar opposite where they're like sit down detective and let me tell you oh my gosh i forgot the guy we did who like got caught and like the second he got caught he was like so these are the people i've killed this is where they are this is what i did yes. so i'm ready to go like he was like okay Let's i guess it's this. over for me i'm out right <laughs> yeah i think that's how probably how i'd be if i were to become a serial killer you know which we both know we wouldn't do because we talk about how much work it is all the time yes and so my husband always makes lazy. a joke about how like that shouldn't be the only reason why i'm like i won't be serial killer because it's a lot of work he's like glad that's what's stopping you not like it's bad to kill people which like yeah obviously it is we know that but i just right. i feel like well in this day and age i feel like it's very hard to like you can't get away with anything everywhere like you're right. everywhere it just yeah, there's no way no i really just couldn't um, kill someone either i don't think just, I don't no know. i don't like just for fun no i don't think yeah so. like you'd have to like mess with my kids or something i was just gonna say that like fuck my kids you. and i will end you just like, like a random guy <laughs> on the street not so much no. right <laughs> um, all right so mcgray killed his victims by either stabbing or strangulation and like we talked about a lot of times with many of these killers like those are very personal um and physical ways of killing someone like it takes an extreme amount of energy to stab someone like over and over again and his victims it wasn't just like a stab to the throat and you bleed out like he like stabbed them uh and same thing with strangulation it's not like it is on tv where they like hold the throat for four seconds and the person dies no no no, no, no. yeah it takes like minutes yeah i think it's a minute it's like a five minutes before the person like can even begin to die so that's like these are very personal like very angry like he is watching these people die you know what i mean yeah um and his victims they range in age and sex he doesn't really have a big mo for his victims in general like he has the mo for the way he kills but i mean young old male female uh he doesn't really care he's like he's a crime of opportunity kind of serial killer. yes like, he's correct. like oh look there's a random person maybe i'll kill them like right you are 100 correct because a lot of these people he picked up while they were hitchhiking some of them he picked up at bars um and one of the guys he killed was actually one of his accomplices to some other crimes 
So there's that. Of course. Um, so Steph, do you want to just like quickly go over the confirmed murders that like he's admitted to and the police know he did? Yes. Okay. So known murders, 1985, Elizabeth Tucker, 17 years old. In 1987 was Mark Gibbons. He was the accomplice for the other crimes, the robbery that they did together. 1991, Robert Asselet. He was 59 and Gaten Ether. And he was on a three-day pass from prison for Easter weekend when he killed these two men. Meaning he was in jail. I let him out for the weekend. He murdered two people. And none of us are shocked because how many times has this happened? <laughs> I don't like, understand. I don't get it. Um, uh, 1998, Joan and Nina Hicks, 48 and 11. Oh, sad face. I, I mean, know. they're all sad, but... But, yeah. Um, and then 2010... Right. Jeremy Phillips, 33 years old, and he was McGray's cellmate in prison. And it like reminds me of like law abiding citizen where he's like, oh, did you kill him so you can like get into solitary because you have like a secret underground tunnel to go out and kill more people? (laughs) Like, (laughs) just saying. And so so, um, when he killed his cellmate, there was actually a psychologist, psychiatrist, psychiatrist um, who had brought up the basically i don't know if it's the idea or the fact that serial killers should not be in a cell with another person like what they do is kill people repeatedly well especially if you don't have an mo like if you're not like oh i only kill little teenage girls and i kill anyone i feel like that's more of a reason to keep you alone versus someone who like has a type and a preference and it's pretty much never like other men in a prison right 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 yeah but this guy obviously was like and like so many years later like so many years later and he's like uh you know i think it's been a while i'm just gonna kill my cellmate like yeah right why why not okay um and so i actually have a really creepy quote it was one of those like gives me like the heebie-jeebies when i watched it was like in a uh documentary i watched on him but he's actually quoted a number of times saying that he had a quote unquenchable thirst to kill people what like Like, so there is no reasoning behind this essentially like he just wanted to kill people that was it which, I mean, he had a shitty life and probably was like, well, I'm never going to amount to anything and everyone treats mm-hmm. me like crap and I keep being abused. So I'm just going to kill people because right. control, dominance. And really, like, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like, so there's only seven confirmed. There's no way that he had an unquenchable thirst to kill people and only killed seven people. Like, let's be serious. Especially because if he's picking up hitchhikers and random people, a lot of them could, it's not like... Yes, people look for other people, but like hitchhiking and then you disappearing and never talking to someone again, like wasn't right. at that uncommon. I feel like people are like, right. oh, I'm going to hitchhike and go to California and live my best life. And they're like, okay, see you never. And like, so right. there could be all these other people that are like in a fucking desert somewhere. Yeah. Being buried well, and no one's looking for them or someone's looking for them, but it's like way pat. Like they don't know where they got picked up. They don't like, right. there's so many factors. I think that's a big issue too. And like, uh, law enforcement, FBI, they've always had that issue of people crossing over state lines. The FBI gets involved and then they realize that there are six different states all have these same murders, but because they're all over the country, of course, the police departments haven't linked them together. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, we have a major serial killer. But like, obviously they don't know because if I live in Rhode Island, I'm hitchhiking, get picked up in Ohio and then I'm killed in California. 
no one in California is going to know him from Rhode Island. Like now, maybe because technology, but you know, in the sixties, seventies, eighties, no, not really. Yeah. I feel like people just live their lives. Yeah. Which was nice. <laughs> My mom did it. I think I've talked about it before. Yes. She's so crazy. Like literally was supposed to anyone who hasn't listen to it she was supposed to go visit family somewhere in the midwest right so she gets on a bus my mom my nana puts her on a bus and she goes and she gets there and instead of getting off the bus she's like actually i think i'm just gonna stay on the bus till we get to california she literally calls my nana a week later and was like hey bt dubs in california like see you later and and like my mom says all the time she's like at the time i didn't even think anything of it like it didn't even occur to me that they would be like looking for me like worried that i didn't get off the bus at my family's like nothing she was just like woohoo party <laughs> i'm like cool but i, mean, I also all, feel like that was also a very common like, mindset that's all she wanted to be was a hobo that was it and it was just a very common mindset to be able to like i said just go and not worry about people yeah, this was in the seventies. That's what they did. Like, yeah, whatever. I mean, Ariel and I are way too paranoid to it. Thank God we did not grow up in the seventies because we would we are the most paranoid people. <laughs> oh my God, we would have not been those cool people going out to California. Let me tell We'd you, we'd be what. hitchhiking with each other by ourselves because <laughs> like, we trust no one. But it's just like well, and it's crazy because a lot of these serial killers, especially in the seventies, and we know there's a shit ton of them that are from the seventies. Mm-hmm. are just like a lot of them are crime of opportunity like they're like oh my god look there's a person a lot of them like have a partner and then kill the partner a lot of them like they're just there's so many unknown variables and there were so many serial killers during that time i feel like anyone could right. snatch you up and kill you you don't know accurate accurate you know <laughs> i always say about Kara, and i i think i said about you too because you guys are just so tiny like i am very confident that no one is going to try to come and pick up my fat ass and try to throw me in a car. Like, they're just not. It's too much work. But, like, you guys weigh, like, 110 pounds and you're, like, three feet tall. They can just, like, pick you up and put you in a backpack okay. and First take you First of all, away. I'm 4'10", so let's calm down there, okay? We don't have to be rude about it. <laughs> Close enough. All right? Second of all, I feel like, though, I'm very loud. Like, I feel like they'd probably give me back because I would just scream <laughs> incessantly as loud as possible. And they'd be like, God, this bitch is nuts. Adios. Like, I just have a loud voice like, no, you, when you I You would just talk. talk to them about serial killers. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my God, where are we going? Oh, did you hear about, oh, my God. Did you hear about Richard Speck? He did that, too. This is crazy. <laughs> they'd be like, this. I got to go. <laughs> But like I said, I'm like, I just have a loud voice in general. Like even when I talk, it's just a very like deep, deeper, louder voice. So that's why a lot of times, like, I feel like I'm yelling, but I'm not. I just, it's just just my voice. So I feel like I could easily scream at the top of my lungs. Right. But I'm older now, so I get tired a lot faster. It's not like when you're like 10 and you can just scream the whole fucking day like my kids do. Cause I don't know what they're yelling about. Like now I'm like, ah, oh God, I need two hours to like <laughs> fix my vocal cords. So anyway, I will, I will chat about the arrest and trial here of yeah. our good friend, Michael McGray. So arrest and trial. On the morning of February 28, 1998, Joan Hicks and her 11-year-old daughter, Nina, in Moncton, Moncton, New Brunswick, were murdered at their apartment. Joan was found lying on the floor of the bathroom in a pool of blood, having been beaten, strangled, and her throat cut with a serrated knife. Her daughter, Nina, was found hanging in her bedroom closet by a piece of rope after being choked by said rope. 
which is but terrible. He actually strangled her first, first and then hung her up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McGray was identified by a witness as the murderer and was arrested the next day. Which, like, I feel I always get confused by these things because, like, you go all this time and kill all these people and then, like, right. somehow you slip up or get caught. Like, I don't know. Do you get tired? Do you get lazy? Do you just feel like you're invincible and you're not going to get caught? I'm just or intrigued. Or do you just want to get caught? That too. You know, are you just tired? Like, you're just like, all right, I'm just going to kill these people and be, like, super obvious about it so that I can get caught the next day. <laughs> yeah. So while he was in custody, after he was arrested, he confessed to killing Asley and Ethier. And then he eventually confessed to killing 11 other people all over Canada and at least one person in Seattle, Washington. So I guess he is a person who wants to say oh these are the people i killed but there's probably maybe there's not more especially if he's like oh i killed all these other people but give the names but maybe he doesn't know them especially if they're hitchhikers it's not right some serial killers want to keep a license or want to know who you are or no or like keep notes maybe he didn't keep notes maybe uh, yeah maybe i mean i feel like they always know how many people they killed Cause like so, some like fun trivia about him was is that he basically requested psychiatric treatment for quote demons that sent him on the fifteen year coast to coast killing spree, but he has told law enforcement a couple of times that he would release the details of sixteen other murders that he committed in exchange for immunity for his accomplices, immunity for himself against any new charges and psychiatric treatment. First of all, why do you care about your accomplices? Like, in this situation. You're really good friends with them? Like, you killed one of them, so... And you're like, I'll give you this information if you give my friend immunity? Yeah, I don't know. Generally, well, and it's weird, too, because serial killers generally don't care about other people. Right. So it's very weird that he's like in this deal that I am trying right. to make. I'm also want all my friends to get off. Yeah. I know. But I'm wondering, do they know who the accomplices are? Like, are they in jail and arrested or, Ooh, right. or are they still out <gasps> oh. in the world and he doesn't want them to get charged ever? Yes. I bet you that makes sense. I bet you that's what it is. Well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, maybe that too, because then they can't talk on him. Maybe that's why he cares. Like then they can't okay. say any of the other things. I, yeah. I, like you said, I think it's like a power and control thing. I think he's like, right. I have all the cards here. I know all the people I killed. I know whatever. And I don't, like I said, I don't know. I feel like serial killers probably keep a notebook. Like I, you got to write this shit down. You can't remember every single. There's like, no way to kill that many people. And like, I just feel like a lot of them are just so proud of themselves that they just do. Um, And like there are multiple times where he requests psychiatric treatment. There's like some articles that say he has been diagnosed bipolar. Some say that that was an incorrect diagnosis. Like, so I think it's probably that he has something. You know, sure. Not not everything is going on the way it should be up in his in his brain. Um, but he still hasn't really gotten it. Which I mean. Not that I think he should get, like, extra special treatment because, obviously, he's a serial killer. But why not just use him for learning purposes? Like, let's give him the psychiatric treatment. Because I bet you the FBI and whoever else deals with serial killers could learn a lot from him. I do wonder why 
And I, I know, I honestly probably know, cost, resources, especially sure, back yeah. then, mental health wasn't a big thing. Like, right. pe- or it was, but people just didn't talk about it or whatever. Right. But I feel like maybe he tried to get it and they yeah. don't have the resources because they probably barely have the resources to give any, like, any basic things they need in jail, let alone psychiatric treatment. But the thing is, at some point, like, you have to draw the line in where do you need psychiatric treatment? Like, are you just saying, like, right. oh, I want treatment, I'm sick? Or are you, like, doing concerning things where someone should actually be getting you said treatment because you are doing right. concerning things that is, like, harmful to yourself and others? Right. And you're right, because I think I was, like, kind of putting it in our time now um, where it's easier to get that psychiatric treatment. But in the mid-'90s, even, you know, and that wasn't that long ago, but it still wasn't as, you know, now it's just, which is great. I think it's wonderful that we are very open about mental illness of any kind. And, you know, most people are all for other humans getting help and uh, that kind of stuff. But you know what it makes me think of? I don't know why. And I, I know you probably have seen this episode. It's a Criminal Minds episode. And it's this kid who's like a teenager. And he goes to see Spencer do some sort of a talk on serial killers. And he is essentially like, I'm going to be a serial killer. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you now, like, this is what's going to happen. I'm trying to prevent it. Like, can you help me? Yeah, I remember that episode. Oh, man. The episode just like sticks with me because essentially they don't really help him yeah like he still ends up killing people well and the problem is like with our justice system and the way things are set up is hey i'm gonna do something doesn't warrant anything it's hey i murdered someone oh well now we'll pay attention because you already killed the person but right it's really hard to be hurt again easier now but still a lot of work needs to be done and took a very long time i read a meme the other day that was joking about how like everyone talks about how millennials ruin everything, right? Like, oh, our generation, we hate everything, whatever. But they're like, oh, well, millennials at least made therapy, like, cool and talk about it and, like, normalize. And I was like, yeah, we did. (laughs) Um, Errol and I love therapy. We're all about the self-care life. Love love therapy. Like, I tell people all the time, I don't care if you have a million problems or zero problems. You should just go. Having an unbiased party to chat out your problems, your life, your randomness with, and, like, give it get another perspective of someone who knows nothing about you is just... it's wonderful it's so helpful so much if you're thinking about going go this is your sign to go okay and just keep in mind that sometimes it takes a couple therapists it took me three therapists before i found one i really liked like i had two really really bad ones some of them just suck like some people just should not be in that field and they are so mm-hmm. it's a little bit like dating the first few times, but... It's almost like an interview. You interview them. Hey, where do you stand on this? What do you think about this? But it's worth right. it when you find the right person. And especially being now a year into the pandemic, if you're thinking about it, this is a great time. Because obviously right. this has yeah. rocked all of us. Like even right. my kids, myself. Like right. this has just been a very trying year for everyone. Whether you've been lucky enough to not lose anyone. Either like we're all feeling it in different ways. However we've experienced this pandemic. So for sure. Um, for sure. Anyway, that's our PSA. <laughs> Go to therapy. We right. love it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, back to the back know, to serial killers. What we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> Um, um, yes. All right, so ultimately, McGray is sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole um, in March 20th of 2000. Um, since then, he has also received several life sentences, 
all to be served concurrently. I also wonder, what is that a thing? Why do they have to say this? these sentences are to be served concurrently? Like, you're a serial killer. No, we're not going to let you, you know, do a life sentence and then go out for a couple of months and then come back in and finish They did let off. him do a weekend bender at Easter where he murdered two people, so <laughs> just throwing that out there. Bender. <laughs> just saying. I love that his bender is just killing a couple of people, you know. No biggie. Cash. My bender's like taking a 12-hour nap. <laughs> Uninterrupted. Right. It's like a dream. <laughs> but anyway... I think, yeah, and I don't know especially why they say concurrently when they're already in there for life. Because, like, right. well, you're gonna, any sense. I, I understand the point sure. of having a trial for each one and giving a sentence because it's part yes. of the justice system and all that. But I just don't understand why you have to be like, well, this guy has 17 life sentences. Like, okay, just be like he's in prison forever. He'll die Correct. in prison. Boom. So, yeah. Also, there's um, this really cool interview with him on YouTube. So I'll put the link on Facebook. It's just like, because it's actually with him. And I don't know why I just find that shit so interesting. It is interesting, though. It's like when you watch, like, I'm a killer. And you're, like, listening to those people talk about, like, why they became a killer. why, they, And you're like, what? Like, it's fascinating because it's something that, like, you could never comprehend doing. So it's, like, really, it's right. like, I would never do that. But listening to other people talk about it, it's like, oh, shit, that's crazy. Like, it's just, well, obviously we like it because that's why we have a serial killer podcast (laughs) because we love to, you know, learn about murder shit. It's just, it's fascinating. It's like a whole different world. and Yeah, it 100%. That's why we like it. So, also, if you haven't watched Mindhunter, go watch that because it's basically how... Watch it immediately. Yeah, it's basically how... Like the BAU became a thing in the FBI. It's really good. My husband's it's actually just, watching oh it God, now, which is so my good. third time watching it, but it's really good. And the guy who plays the main, like, younger detective is also the voice of Kristoff in Frozen and also plays the king oh, in yeah. Hamilton. So he is a man of many, many tricks and trades. Just, just <laughs> and he's so good he's that. so good oh and God, he's super so. talented and it's just it always cracks me up because the roles are so different like king in a musical animated Kristoff guy who has a freaking like reindeer and then oh my god murder dude why did i just not put that together right this second you're welcome <laughs> like you were talking i was like yeah yeah Kristoff, yeah, and then it just hit me that he's in whatchamacallit oh <gasps> what I hope all of you are having the same mind-blowing experience because that's why I threw all these facts out there. Because <laughs> he's so... What is that musical? Why can't... What's it called? Hamilton. Hamilton. <gasps> mind blown. Oh, my God. I love him even more now. I know. Like, like truly, I love him even more. Yeah, same. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, we appreciate y'all listening to us rant about random things throughout our episode today. Um, clearly, you can tell us being home for a year has probably gotten to us a bit. So we, you know, Correct. but we appreciate you guys sticking with us. We appreciate everyone who's messaged us or commented or liked our page so far. Share with your friends, like, follow. Like I said, we're really working on being better at social media. Just 
We're trying not to bite off more than we can chew. That that's just the yeah, realistic truth. Yeah, please bear with us. We're we trying. we want to be better, but at the same time, like we're already feeling burnt out at times. So we're really mm-hmm. just trying to listen to ourselves and make sure that we're doing okay in this crazy yeah. world. But anyway, we appreciate all of you. Um, we love that you guys are still binging our episodes and giving us suggestions and everything. So that's that. That's Michael Wayne McGarry, guys. No, McGray. Um, oh, my God. I said McGarry, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> okay, McGray. See? Long day, guys. Anyway, very excited to continue to bring you guys episodes, and we really appreciate your patience and support. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. We will see you next week.